Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, and the Mets are my daddy. The Mets are your daddy. The Mets are our daddy. Phillies lose three or four. You obviously watched it over the weekend. They lose a heartbreaker Sunday. Can't manufacture any runs. Leaving over eight guys on base the last three games. They're 12 and eight in August and have given a reason for Philly fans to continue to not buy in to this team. But I have some good news. They don't play another team above 500 right now for the next 21 games. People are coming back from the shore soon. Gas is under $4 in some places. The weather is expected to cool off. All excuses that people are using to not attend baseball games, even though they asked the Phillies to spend and they spent, they're kind of going out the window. But let's be honest. We needed two seasons of success, a young core of guys, and a World Series title until we regularly sold out games in the middle of a financial crisis last time. So let's bring on Bob Wankel. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. And let's get their main takeaways from this weekend. Bob, Kevin, the Phillies, good? Not good enough to compete with the elite teams yet? What was your main takeaway? Whoever wants to take it. I guess I'll I'll take the lead here. I'll take the I'll take the wheel. They had a bad weekend against the Mets. It was a very bad weekend. Um, That game on Sunday was about as as bad of a loss as you're going to see. I mean, it was a gut punch. But they're 12 games over 500. They've played pretty much every good team other than the Mets very competitively this year. You look at pretty much any projection across the board, overwhelmingly likely to make the postseason. It's been 10 years. It's been 11 years. Since they've made the postseason. I don't think that the place should be sold out every night, but I am astounded by this notion that we don't believe in the team, so we're not going to quite go over there and see them yet. They've been resilient. They've played very well. They've kept their season afloat without arguably the best player in the National League. It baffles me about the lack of interest or belief in what this team is. Is it a World Series contender? Probably not. But for a playoff star of City... I would think there would be a little bit more buy-in right now. Are you calling Phillies fans Fairweather fans? <laughs> oh, that's the sound clip, right? That's the one that goes out. <laughs> Fairweather? I don't know if they're Fairweather. I, I believe, though, that um, – and, and, like, listen, you can be a really good fan and watch the game at home. You don't necessarily have to go to the stadium to prove that you're a good fan. But, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by the, the tepid reaction to this team right now. Kev, you might know this. Do we – do you know when we typically get the the TV numbers? I'd be very interested in seeing like the TV numbers. I guess they probably come out after the end of the season. Oh, oh you're no. muted. You're, you're muted. muted. I got you. Oh, uh, you unmute me? Now you go. You you're good. It? Okay, good. Who's running this thing anyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Sorry, what was the question? Oh, so the when do we? Numbers, yeah, yes. you might know this. Like, when do we get the TV numbers? I'd be interested to see these TV numbers. You if they're it. like up twenty percent this year, I'd be like, okay, people are invested, but they just don't want to go to the ball game. Ball yeah, I mean, I, I think the cable works the same as it did for us at Channel Three. You get like your uh, overnights, is what you call them, where you got like an immediate day after that you can look at. But you know, yeah, you do. You definitely you know block them off by like quarters or year over year or whatever. Uh, yeah, so you could do you could you have enough data that if they wanted to compile something now they could do that for sure. But uh, you're probably not going to hear anything until the end of the year. We get press releases from NBC Sports Philadelphia when they have like a uh, you know like a banner night or like a historic night or something. I don't know how many times I've gotten that press release. Like the Sixers game was like the most watched Sixers game of whatever. It was the most watched 
playoff game. You know, that that's been a thing for sure. Uh you're not going to get a press release for yesterday's uh, attendance. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. But it's funny because I was sitting, I was sitting here thinking because I did that story today. I'm like, you know, because Gelb, I guess, tweeted out that it was like the worst attendance that they had last night. And I was, was Bob, you weren't on with us when we did that show, were you? Like with the the whole Jimmy Rollins, the Jimmy Rollins thing. No, I wasn't. Right. So, like, you know, last night, okay, it's the Reds. You're coming off a series where you lost three or four, kind of deflating. They lost two or three to the Mets last week. Uh, it's a Monday night. It was like inclement weather. The meteorologists were scaring the shit out of everybody. Apparently kids are going back to school already. I don't remember going back to school in August ever, but yeah, I mean, it's like a combo of factors, but I, I don't like, I want Bob, I want pragmatic Bob's take on the matter. Like what is one factor more than the other? Like what, what's, what is the deal? It's just interesting. I guess you can talk about the weather and uh, they had a, a- deflating series against the Mets and well, Bryce Harper's not there and he's the main draw. I get last night, like in a vacuum, like I understand last night's attendance being somewhat weak, but I think you're talking about across the board, you know, you go there and you cover a game and you go, this is important one tonight. There's a decent pitching matchup and you're looking out and you're seeing 23, 24,000, a lot of blue seats. And it's not about selling out every night. You know, I don't know that you're ever going to see that sellout streak the way that you saw back in that that Ryan Howard, Chase Utley run. And that's okay. You know, but when you're talking about averaging somewhere around 22 to 24 a night with a team that's basically on like an 88 to 90 win pace, I do find that – I find that strange. I, and I get gas prices and it costs a lot of money to take your kids to the yard. Like I get all that stuff. But I would just think that this team, they went out and spent a lot of money. And I'm, I guess, a little bit surprised. Like, the whole knock on them last year was they don't beat bad teams. Like, they don't take advantage of bad teams. Well, now they're doing that. Like, they've done a great job of taking advantage of a soft schedule. They've played the Dodgers tough. They've played the Brewers tough. They've played the Cardinals tough. they played the Braves tough. I mean, and the Braves have been absolutely lights out, but they're dead split with that team this year. And those games have been tight. They've been battling. So, and I, I don't want to like sit here like I'm waving the Phillies pom-poms. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'll, I'll drag the Phillies, you know, quicker than anybody. But I, I just feel like this team has shown some pretty good fight and it's had some really good wins. And I don't feel like that they've captured the city the way that I thought that they might. Do you think it's because the beat writers are not telling a good story of the Phillies? I want to. I want to. I want to ask this: How many people, if you went to Philadelphia and you pulled people or pulled people around the Delaware Valley? would know that Cassianos is on a 12-game hitting streak right now, and he's batting 320 in August. Because I didn't know I didn't know that he was on an 11-game streak until yesterday. No, I don't think you would know that. Um, but, I mean, there are there are good stories, but, like, is there that, that you know, the, the Channel 6 story? You know, yeah. like, I, I always call it, like, the and Channel you need 6 that. story. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you know, there's this this dramatic arc. There's this this narrative. I, I love that word. But, like, there narrative. isn't really that. Other than what might be coming down the road here in September, which is the return of Bryce Harper. Like that is the story in September, right? If the, the Phillies have, you know, done enough to kind of tread water, keep themselves afloat. They've done more than that. I mean, they've made a move into playoff position with Bryce Harper out of this lineup, but you've had Alec Bohm get hot for a little bit. You've seen Bryson stock come up with some big games. Castellanos has done a little bit at, at the right time. He had a big homer against the Braves a couple of weeks back. The numbers are slowly creeping up. JT Real Muto has stepped his game up. You had the Derek Hall, you know, surge when Harper first went out. What they've done is they've set the stage for Bryce Harper to return and have a moment. 
you know, like have that big September dramatic moment that pushes this team into the playoffs. And maybe that's what this team needs in order to get that imagination going from this fan base to get that buy-in going. That's what I think that this Philly season is. They've done enough to stay afloat and let Bryce Harper return. And he's either going to carry him to where they want to go or he's not. Did they let me let me do some like revision, not revisionist history here, but let me try to get something straight. Let me get the narrative straight. Um, I hate that word, by the way. I wish we could just come up with a different word for narrative, maybe storyline, facts, you know, just something different. But the the sellout streak didn't begin until 2000, what, seven, nine, 2009. Okay. So the Phillies turned the corner in what year? 2000. Oh seven, they made the playoffs for the for the first time since ninety three. When did people? When do you feel like people started like bully? Okay, like I think this team's going to be something perennially. Like, did you feel that in 06? No. no. Um, in 06, in fact, they were knocking on the door. They they had a stretch of seasons prior to 07 where they were knocking on the door and they fell short. Kind yeah. of similar to what you've seen with these teams the last few years. So do um, we do we need like another? one and a half year two year run up to yeah. people like being sold again like do we buy that like angle of people who were saying hey it wasn't just like one day people started filling up the stadium like they it took a while for them to like say oh this team's going to be good for like multiple years now like are we looking at a replication of like maybe 2023 to whatever like oh like people are like know that this core this group of dudes is like going to be it I think that that's fair. And I do think that Bryce Harper being out of this lineup right now is, is probably hurt in this regard. Like you need these guys to have moments. You need these guys to become heroes. And even though they hadn't made the postseason, or, you know, by the time 07 had rolled around, I mean, Chase Utley was kind of developing into this like mythical figure. Ryan Howard had just unbelievable power numbers the year prior. And so it was starting then, you know, and then Jimmy Rollins becomes a hero. He wins the MVP in 07 and has all these big hits and Brett Myers becomes this rock star closer that, that everyone just kind of bought into. And, you know, those teams, like those guys did it and then they became who they were. And then I think people went and saw them because of it. Like if Nick Castellanos has a massive September and a a big hit this October, like, well, then he becomes a dude. If Kyle Schwarber has a big home run in October and wins a game for them, then he becomes a dude that you go see and you're like, that's my guy. Right now, I don't think that the Phillies have a lot of guys outside of Bryce Harper on this roster, even if they're talented, that you feel drawn to or that you feel like some emotional connection to. I mean, go down the list, right? They're best players. Aaron Nola. You feel like people You feel like people have the emotional attachment to Aaron Nola that they have no. with Cole Hamels? No. Hell no. Zach Wheeler, one of the best pitchers in baseball since he's come to Philadelphia. He's not a guy that I would say – has distanced himself from this fan base, but I don't think that this fan base has become enamored with the production the way they did with Cliff Lee, the way they did with Hamels, the way they did with Halliday. So until they kind of capture the imagination of the fan base, you're probably not going to see these big name, high salary guys really drive that connection. JT Romuto is another one. Um, So that's kind of what I see. It's it's just not a, it's, it's not, it's not an entertaining roster in a way. I mean, you look at the Bryce Harper, uh, news he's going to be playing in Lehigh Valley. Uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs tweeted out yesterday that uh, their box office is like going insane right now because yeah. people are going to go watch him for a week who might not be able to get up to see 
uh, the Phillies usually, and they're actually sponsoring his rehab assignment. I don't know who's sponsoring it, but there is a sponsor for his rehab assignment. It was in the press release and everything. I do think it will, you know, with the mixture of everybody coming back from the shore, Bryce Harper coming back, as well as uh, school starting, people's schedules are kind of, I don't know, I don't know if kids, but I'm going to say school schedules are kind of better in a way, or schedules might be a little easier. I don't know. Well, about you got to get over the hump of like them going back, and then you settle back into a di- like a different routine then. So maybe you come out of Labor Day. And it's like, all right, everybody's like, you know, got their day to day figured out. Now we've transitioned from summer into school. And then like maybe it turns a corner. The weather drops a little bit. It's all thing. I kind of I kind of look at it. Sorry, I'll finish this up. Bob. Um, I kind of look at it like the Sixers. Like, I think the Sixers and Phillies are pretty uh, comparable in terms of fan bases. Um, we had those dark ages of the Sixers even before the process when these guys had to prove it to us. You know, the Doug Collin years, uh, the Eddie Jordan years where we were making the your seven seed, A seed, getting blown out by the Pistons and whatnot. Um, that kind of coincided with the rise of the Phillies and people going to the Phillies. I think the Phillies and the Sixers are interchangeable. I think Eagles and Flyers have their fan bases that even when the Flyers stink, other than this year, People will sell out that stadium and go there on a Tuesday yeah. in February. And it's all, it's all every, I mean, like I, you know, I told Gargano straight up, like, you know, I thought that the four for four thing was bullshit, not because people didn't want to see those teams do well, but because you only have a capacity to handle so much at once. So typically, you know, two teams are up, two teams are down or something like that. You know, the Sixers are going on a run. Maybe people don't care about the Flyers, but at the same time, there's Flyers fans who don't give a flying shit about basketball. And there's basketball fans who don't, who don't care about hockey, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's not if you have all four teams that are good at the same time, I mean, you're only gonna have the brain power to like process so much of that. But that's why it's funny to me, because and like, I know most people don't give a crap about the union, but the union are an MLS Cup contender and the Phillies are having their best season in 10 years. Like, seriously, this is the best summer in Philadelphia sports in a decade. No joke. And if you want to throw the Eagles into that and say the prospects for what they're going to be this year, too, at the same time, like this is the, the best summer that Philly sports has had in a full decade, you know? And so I say that to you and then I ask you this question, what do you think is the number one story in Philadelphia sports right now? What's the main thing that's like leading sites, leading the, in the inquire, leading the sports at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Uh, I think unsurprisingly it's the, the buildup of the Eagles. It's, it's Eagles still, still the Eagles. Yeah. It's yeah. Eagles. yeah. So to me, it's just like, I, I you know, you got these like ebbs and flows and stuff and whatever. I mean, like Bob, you remember, man, 10 years ago or whatever, like WIP was taking more baseball calls and football calls. Like on the back end of the Andy Reid era where it was like, you know, they were shitty and they were coming off the dream team year or whatever. But it's just crazy to me that like both of those teams, like the union and the Phillies, I know baseball and soccer fans maybe aren't, don't interface or overlap too much, but like these teams are like really, like really good. You know, it's just crazy. I mean, even then we're still talking like Jalen Hurts is still the big thing or like, you know, yeah, I mean, Deion I think the team versus Jalen Rager, you know, the expectations of the Eagles being what they are. I mean, there are people out there. They they try to be, you know, measured and they temper their expectations verbally. But I think there are a lot of people and I say this as an Eagles fan. Like I'm always anytime I talk about sports, I go, listen, I try to, you know, I grew up a Phillies fan. I want them to win. Of course, I want them to win. But I try to take a more, you know, professional look at the Phillies. But the Eagles are like, I'm crazy. Like, Kevin, you've you've called me out on this. You're like, you are the worst. You're like the perfect embodiment of a WIP caller while you're watching an Eagles game. And I'll say, like, well, you know, I kind of think they're an 11-6 team. Like, I kind of think they could win the division. But, like, you know, deep down inside, like, I think, like, yeah, they could win the Super Bowl this year. Like, I'll never 
other than this show. Like, I'll never say that to other people because I don't no. want to look like an asshole. But, like, there is part of me that feels it. So this year, I do think this fan base, in the back of their minds, feels that way. So, it, you know, it. I understand why fans are the way they are with the, the Eagles right now. But let me just say, with the Phillies, I think that there's two other things to consider. One, they're a third-place team. The Atlanta Braves are coming off a World Series. The, the New York Mets are having a magical season. The Phillies are miles behind both teams right now in the standings. And, you know, basically from an on-field perspective, at least the Mets for sure. So I think that that kind of tempers a little bit of the enthusiasm. And I also think right now the Phillies and the playoffs is like an idea. Like, oh, they're in it. But, like, until you really start looking at the schedules and scoreboard watching down the stretch in September, it doesn't really feel like a playoff race yet. And then the other thing that hurts them is that as a wild card team, you're not going to even host a playoff game if yeah. you're that five or six seed, which they're probably going to be if they get in. And I almost wonder if that kind of dilutes a little bit of the enthusiasm because you're like, well, they're in the playoffs, but like, we're not even going to go see a game in Philly. People yeah. also think it's a Mickey yeah. Mouse playoff spot too, which I don't, I don't agree well, with. If they I mean, the second wild card, do you feel that way? I mean, that was the previous format, and they would be like a. This isn't like the the Eagles, you know, making the playoffs last year at nine and eight and kind of backing in. Like the Phillies, if they make the postseason, are probably going to be a ninety win team. And you know, historically speaking, you win ninety games in a baseball season, you're pretty damn good. So I don't know yeah. that like that's entirely fair. No, I agree. I just no, I, I, I hundred percent agree. That's just been my gripe, man. I, I don't like playoff baseball to me is just so much better because the this the stakes are higher for like high leverage situations when the game when there's fewer games and they just mean more. So a pitching every chain, pitch matters. Yeah. Yeah. Or like every little piece of like like Anthony Sanfilippo will say this all the time. Will be like, there's little pieces of nuance and strategy in the game that are like super important. And that's like elevated and heightened when you watch in the playoffs. So it's high stakes shit. You know, when you're watching it over 162, it's like, you know, I, I think you just get like this oversaturation. So I think playoff, I think when you, if you're talking about every single sport on the planet, like the difference going from regular season to postseason play, to me, baseball takes off more than any other sport. You have like super high leverage, like super interest in the NFL because it's only 17 games or whatever. NBA regular season doesn't, you know, really matter too much. And hockey's kind of the same. But man, like, you look at like the crowds and the intensity of people like hanging on like every pitch when you get to playoff baseball, it's just so much more than the regular season. So I don't, I don't, I don't need to tangential tangentially go off into like, Oh, fix baseball, blah, blah, blah. Another stupid thing about that. But like, I mean, I just wish the playoffs were expanded, man. I just wish well, it was like, how is it? How, how hard, how can you play 162 regular season games? The playoffs are the best part about it. And it's like, you got three games on the, on, on the road. It's like, yeah, I agree. Well, 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 speaking of fixing baseball, um, Daryl Morey already did it. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. Uh, Daryl Morey went to one Phillies game and uh, sat down there. I think I think he went to the Friday game, so he's probably bored. They weren't producing any runs. His proposal for baseball, Craig, when you get a chance, if you could pull that up. Uh, his proposal for baseball, whichever team is behind is the only one who bats until they tie it or take the lead. When games are tied, everything proceeds as normal. Stop laughing. Once the team behind <laughs> comes back, then the team that gets back to the bat proceeds from the last thing. I, no one's going to understand what that means. Let's just talk about it. Um, I love this idea. And I'm not just being that that new age, you know, uh, millennial kind of guy being like, oh, you know, Daryl's right outside the box thinker. I love this. What if a team goes up five nothing in the first, and then I have to slog through three hours of a game, and it finishes five two? 
So if I follow this correctly, you go up five nothing in the first inning, and mm-hmm. then like say the other team doesn't score a run. So they you they get nine you know, innings of at bats. Okay, so they just keep going and going. So they going can tie, and if they don't tie after nine innings of at bats, they have to. They, I mean, the game's over. So, so hypothetically, hypothetically, your your order, like if you go up six nothing and you get to your seventh guy in your order, but the other team never scores, your eighth and ninth batters would never go to the plate at all. Technically, yeah. So yeah. In theory, under this scenario, you could have your first four guys, your, your first three guys hit, your three hole hitter comes up, hits a solo home run in the first inning. You make the the third out of the first inning and you have a one nothing lead. Mm-hmm. And then you can, then you proceed to get 27 outs consecutively yep. and your number five through nine hitters never step foot at, at the plate. Brilliant. It's yeah. a brilliant. It, I mean, it, it, that would be awesome for the Phillies. I mean, right now, Veerling and uh, and and the guy from the Blue Jays that we just got—they're automatic outs, like <laughs> like right now. So it's how, like, that's amazing. How about the Maestros? I did so, uh, Kyle. Oh, uh, God, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Kyle, Kyle Scott said he he doesn't he thinks there's too much time wasted with the catcher throwing the ball back to the pitcher. So what you should do is install a repository, not a suppository, a repository. Uh, behind behind the mound, in the mound, off to the side of the mound, that just has balls in it that the pitcher can pick up and throw. Right? It's like almost uh, like going to a bowling alley. You just you reach in. Yes. Yes, exactly. But but what if but but what if the ball hits the tube that the that the balls come out of? Somebody loses a playoff game. Ooh. Yeah. Does the repository have to go back down into the mound before like the pitch starts? How much time does it well, take? I think that my main takeaway from that suggestion is that Kyle is so far out of touch with sports at this point that Do you think do you think the Oakland A's are going to build a repository right now? I mean, there's people getting blown in the third deck right now <laughs> because nobody's there. And they're gonna build a repository. They're averaging nine thousand fans and can't even yeah, uh, I gotta actually, get somebody to Photoshop. Idea. The Maury thing though is stupid too, and I okay. get it. Why? Yeah, like, so you're you're in on this. I, I, mean, I, I am not just being. Me. I'm not being. I'm not doing this as like a bit. Like I actually do think this is a great idea where I can watch a game in an hour fifteen, then watch it in three hours. Okay, and so like you hate baseball then because if your whole thing is like yeah. how do I how do I get rid of baseball as much as possible on any given night, then it's a win. I'm getting rid of baseball. You are though because I mean Why? like look, it's a game that is built on numbers. It's a game that's built on individual season statistics. By the way, there's a whole like players association issue with this yeah. where guys yeah. would have like, their production <laughs> just cut up into like a hundred, like a hundredth of what it would usually be. Rob Manfred put a put yeah. a put a base runner on second in if the you had a good uh, leadoff guy. If you had a good leadoff guy, there's a chance that your number five hitter would have like 110 at bats in a season. I mean, that's, that's like good. Yeah, I mean, it would never work from that standpoint. You'd never get a player association to agree with that. But I mean, like, just even the the mechanics of what are you doing? You're asking a pitcher to go out and record 27 straight outs. There are breaks. There are breaks. Every three outs. Every three outs. The people, uh, the the base runners are done. Around like it's an NFL timeout for six minutes. Like, hey, pitcher's breather. Go out, get a beer, come back. They do it in a. If you pitch for a shitty team, you never have to pitch at all. Like your arm is preserved, and you just make your millions, and you're just chilling there. You know. Yeah, I mean, the way that you build out your team there is you invest heavily in your one, two, and three hitters, and just hope that you know. You're already thinking of it. You're already thinking of it. You you put your power hitters one through four. The plate appearances would be so weird at the end of the year. You're on like Baseball Reference or Fangraphs or something. It's like Nolan Arenado had 47 plate appearances this year. Everyone's stature out like that's 70, 60 game 750. season. 
That's no, so weird, but, man. I, but like you're already thinking about it, Bob. You're already stacking the deck on the on the one through three pitchers. You're already stacking the deck one through four. Like, hey, listen, it's a capitalistic society. One through four are getting paid. The other ninety nine percent, I'm sorry, you might be making Capital, the league minimum. Capitalistic. <laughs> I'm all for tweaking the game. I'm I'm the first to admit that the game has a, a ton of flaws and they're, they're too long and all that stuff. That's why, actually, even as a baseball purist, as you know, Kyle. Uh, I actually am a ghost runner guy in extra innings. I don't hate the ghost runner. Like, you know, let's, let's get the guy out at second base and get this thing rolling. So Uh, what do you, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about pickleball? Uh, it's the uh, wave of the future, man. It's the wave of right now. I read your column. My parents are both in their seventies and they're yeah. avid pickleballers. Uh, if that's a phrase, uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I respect it. You know, my thing at the end of the day is do what makes you happy. If you're having fun out there, go do it. I can't tell you what you shouldn't do, but not for me. Not for me. Yeah. I want to read you a text message I got from somebody who works in Philadelphia media. This is about pickleball. This is after reading the column. He said, I'm 67 years old and not ready for fucking pickleball. I'm tired of people talking to me about pickleball. It's like the people who have to tell you all about their fantasy team. <laughs> Can, can we guess you said that? Yeah, 67 <laughs> years know. old. You can guess. I won't. Re- I can't reveal it though. I guess right. It's a private correspondence. But I thought it was that feels like a Glenn Mack. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't missing Nelly. No, Mike stopped yeah, texting me. Glenn Mack. Now, actually, that's a good. That's a good guess. I, I don't think you have Rube's number, nor do I think Rube knows how to work a phone. So I would. But it say wasn't that's a. You know, I want people to understand this. Like the the column wasn't really like an anti pickleball column. Like I'm fine with that i just think it's like i look at my dad playing it at age 72 and he loves it because it's like age appropriate he's like he, he used to play tennis back in the day but now he you know he's he doesn't have like the lateral movement to go like side to side and like volley baseline it's great on the joints it's gonna end up with like tennis elbow or something at like 72 you know so it's like so he found pickleball but it was small because he could get like high reps and you know, hand-eye coordination, like just keep yourself sharp. And 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 it's not like a lung-busting activity. You get some cardio out of it, but you're not, you know, uh, Djokovic running running back and forth and volleying with, you know, Federer or whatever, right? So, I, like, I just – but my, my whole thing was just like, man, you you got the rest of your life to – you can golf and play pickleball and swim at the YMCA for the rest of your life, man. When you're, like, in your 30s still, if you can still hack it with the, with the pickup game, man, do it. Because you ain't going to be able to do that at 45. You could probably bang with like, you know, Coggin, Toboggan, and them on the basketball courts and Haddon Heights. You know, you can do that at 35. You're not going to be able to do it at 45. You see those guys dunking the basketball. So do it now because you got your 40s and your 50s and your 60s to play golf and pickleball and swimming. So you're a C'est la vie guy. You're a seize the day guy. I like that. You're like the seize seize the time right now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like here's my thing. I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of these like dudes who were like athletes in high school. Like they get married, they have the kid, they gain the weight or whatever. Then they come out of it and they're like golf dad with like the, you know, pastel shorts and whatever. And it's like, yo, you can still like, I, you were, I watched you play in high school, man. You're not that old. What about, like, you know, keep, keep it burning, man. Keep the flame alive. Like you got the rest of your life to do this like country club stuff. Like I'm, I'm 30 now and I haven't touched a basketball. I played college basketball for a year. I haven't touched a basketball in like two, three years. And I don't got to do it, man. I don't miss the game at all though. Like, but like, but I, I I will get back one day, but like, how about, you know, it's kind of like when you, when you work out, you know, you're doing arms, you're doing chest, you're doing, you're doing leg day someday, you know, maybe a couple days you do, Hey, here's basketball, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, here's uh, you know, flag football, Monday, Wednesday, and then nice little Friday, 
Nice little pickleball. Nice little easy on the joints. Get the heart rate going. <laughs> I guess, you're not going to tear an ACL. I mean, I think in moderation, pickleball is okay. I don't just, I just didn't like that Kevin was over here gatekeeping. Uh, no, no, uh, it's pickleball. not gatekeeping. It's like a motive. It was more of like a motivational thing. Like, you know, you should try to play at a certain level, keep a certain level going as long as you can. You got the rest of your life to be like decrepit and old and like unable to do these other things. So if you can play tennis now, play it. You know, if you can play basketball now, play it. If you can still play pickup soccer on Friday night, go do it, man. Because you got because you know you're gonna you're not gonna be able to do that at 50, right? But what you are gonna be able to do at 50 is play pickleball. Yeah. So don't well, it didn't, let, come, it didn't come off that line. way. Let's just come make off. the timelines congruent here, you know. I think that's what people were I think that's what people didn't understand. And you know, I love our readers, I love our viewers. I wouldn't well, say, you know, there are any Mensa candidates out there right now. Well, to be um, fair, I just wrote the column straight through, too. I didn't really think about it very much. I was like, I have this idea in my head. Let me see if I can barf it out here, you know. No, um, no, I, I, I agree with you, but I think, you know, I really like pickleball. Um, if you're now, if you're like a pro pro pickleball player, uh, that's the worst gameplay in the world. All they do is yeah. just drop shots. Uh, well, yeah, and Phil, Phil was saying this, right? Because it's like you watch uh, in the column that I did, I put a YouTube clip in there of these guys playing, yeah. right? But, you know, it's so, like, con condensed on the court that it just looks like um, – did you guys ever watch Patrick Rafter play tennis back in the day? Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's who I – when I played, that's who I, like, modeled my game after because I couldn't, I couldn't, like, volley for shit, right? You know, I couldn't, you know, trade shots on the baseline. He would serve. He would run up to the net. And he try to end the point as soon as as soon as he could, mm -hmm. right? So when I watch pickle, it feels like pickle. it's just bang, bang, bang at the net. And somebody's trying to trying to put it away, right? Yeah. So what are you playing? You're only playing half a game, though. You know, it's, it's just a, like bang, bang, bang. You might as well be playing ping pong. It's, like, it's just ping pong is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone care about pickleball? Says Russ Joy. You know, we're the only the only six for six podcast. Seven for seven. Seven for seven. Yeah, Don't seven forget the Phoenix, the ultimate frisbee Phoenix. Um, Wait, wait, we got Bob for like a couple more minutes before Spuds comes on. Um, I we got to talk about this because this was the big, this was the biggest story uh, from the weekend. Why did the Phillies let the Mets fan throw out the first pitch? Um, I know this is a non nothing to you guys. I know this is an, I know this is an ultimate Kevin Kincaid. Who cares? And then Bob, who cares? You know what? No, it's I not. Care. No, I think it's stupid as shit. Oh, okay, like, awesome, like, awesome. Yeah, come on, man. I mean, uh, Craig, pull up, pull up the. Um, so the reason why this happened is because groups of people who sell 500 tickets or more can throw out the first pitch. Craig, if you could pull up the amenities you get from selling 500 tickets. Wait, back it up here for a second. Yeah. So for some context, this guy is like the leader of like a leader. Mets fan group, yeah. right? Okay, so what are they called? The Seven? The Seven Line Army. Uh, they're the seven biggest Mets okay. group in, I, I guess, the world. Um, they bought and so they bought like an entire section worth yes. of of tickets, and okay, so then you, what you were saying before I interrupted there was that you get yeah. perk the perks from yes. buying so many tickets, right? So once Craig finds it and can bring it up, um, so the Phillies on Phillies.com, I guess tickets, you know, they're trying to sell as many tickets as they possible. I mean, you saw the you saw the attendance numbers. Um, yeah. Here you go. So when the when the Phillies. When you do group amenities for your group, the Phillies Community Corporate Partnership Program provides communities, businesses, little leagues, church groups, schools, and all organizations with the opportunity to enjoy a game at Citizens Bank Park and receive fantastic amenities when your group sells 500 or more tickets. So your highlights include exclusive ticket discounts, first pitch ceremony, 
four complimentary field level seats, scoreboard recognition before and during the game. So now I want to know, they were like, we welcome the seven line army to Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. There's two things about this. This is utterly embarrassing. And I understand policy. It's great. Perks for selling that many tickets. That was one of the more embarrassing things I've seen. Like, and I actually do think like you thought I was going to say, who cares? Yeah. This is such a bad look because this is the type of story in 2022 that gains like national attention. Mm -hmm. It gains those legs. So even though it's not like a huge deal, it is a huge deal because people like us talk about it. Blogs all over the country talk about it. Sports talk radio stations are going to bring it up. It's like cartons making fun of us. It's a stain on on Phillies fans. It's a stain on the organization. It is. It's, it's just op- it's, it's optics, man. And yeah. even if they would have just let him come out and throw the first pitch, people are like, well, he shouldn't have been allowed to wear his Mets gear. No. Have him come out and wear his Mets gear, but then, like, hit him with some silly string or, like, d- dunk some water on him. Like, you got to, like, if you're going to do that, you got to set him up, and you got to win at the end of it. They sold their soul to the devil for, like, $50,000. Pathetic. But here's here's like the line of separation though, right? Because we bitch about, you know, I think we did a story about um, what was the team? I think it was like the Nashville Predators that weren't selling tickets, like refused to yes. sell tickets to Flyers fans last year. Yeah, the Nationals um, did that for a little bit. Yeah, and that's kind of petty. Like, you know, if if the Phillies, you know, refuse to sell to Mets fans, I don't know. Like, we'd probably go rah rah, yay. But uh, you know, that's you like somebody come out in an Emmett Smith jersey and doing a coin flip before an Eagles. Yeah. Game. Bob, Bob. So the so the Blue Jays are coming to uh, the to the bank in mid September. Who says some wacky Canadian radio station doesn't buy five hundred tickets and they fly Joe Carter down here and he's throwing out the first pitch September twenty first dollar dog night? Like, like I don't know. Like rules are rules, I guess. Like, here's the thing. Like, optics don't hurt like a team internally. Nothing hurts their bank account. Like nothing hurts. Like, you know, they have a relationship now, with this Mets group, maybe they keep buying more tickets. Like, okay, so that's fine. But well, yeah, that group was it. there last year too. That weekend yeah. where the, the Phillies, uh, you know, have the big weekend Wheeler finishes it on that Sunday. Mets fans were very active last year at Citizens Bank Park as well. So yeah. this is definitely a yearly thing with the Phillies. They've just absorbed a couple like bad optics hits, you know, in the last couple months. You know, the Pete Rose thing. Like, you know, it was mostly negative, you know, uh, this thing, mostly negative response, you know. So, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't like really affect anybody. It doesn't change anything about the team or about the franchise or whatever. But it's just like, I don't know, let's just like try to read the room a little bit and try to like um, predict what's going to resonate in a certain way. You know, it just feels like that's they're kind of missing that from a from a macro level, you know. This is so, Kev. This is what Kyle and this is what you used to write about five years ago. This was an LOL Mets post or a Nationals post where it's like, can you believe that these idiots, that the Will Ponds, you know, let them do this, let them let let Pete Rose in the booth or let Lenny Dykstra in the booth? Like, they had to do it themselves. Bob, what was the whole the Nationals did the whole uh, they unleashed an entire like brand. Attitude, take back, no, take back of the park or something, yeah, right? Like, a, yeah, I mean, it was That's an entire activation based on like his Phillies fans are just going down there and turn it into CBP. So, I get these things like ebb and flow too. Like, the Mets are really good, so their fans are interested in their travel and stuff like that. It's fine if they're going to be in a section. Every every soccer team on the planet has like a visiting section, or there's visiting fans or whatever, you know. We're going down to Virginia Tech, sit with I the find, West Virginia people, you know. The one but thing I find remarkable about the, the Mets after this past weekend, as good as they are right now and as well as they're playing. You know, Mets fans have not exactly had it easy over the last 30 years or so, 30 plus years. They're the Mets. They collapse. They inevitably do something stupid. And Mets fans are like 
ultra confident right now and like not self-loathing and not expecting the worst. And I don't know what to make of that as somebody that's down here is, you know, a Phillies observer. Um, I find it weird though. Like they should be much more scared of their inevitable collapse, which is, is coming. You know, strangely um, confident, aren't they? Yeah. yeah I mean, they it's really like, are. I know, really I know. Know. I but they're, they're like, man, they're not much different than us. I think all these fan bases in the Northeast quarter, like people won't want to admit this, but like, they're all pretty hardcore, pretty dedicated. You know, they get like disgruntled and jaded just like we do. I mean, they, they every like you go Boston, New York, Philly, Washington, Baltimore, if you want to add it in there, like there's not a ton of variation in those fan bases, man. I mean, yeah. like they're pretty similar, you know. So, I, if anything, I think it's easy to relate to, you know, to that stuff for sure. Yeah. I can't remember the last time that, that a Philly sports fan really truly felt that way about a Philadelphia sports team though even the 2017 super bowl run i feel like everyone was kind of waiting for the you know waiting for the 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 carriage to turn into a pumpkin so to speak like it was just always like oh you know see here you go Wentz got hurt this is what happens this is what we do you know i don't feel like that there was ever that that full confidence that that team was going to get there as good as the fans were that year I mean, maybe maybe by the, the end of the first half of the NFC championship game, maybe yeah. some fans were starting to feel it then. But I don't I don't remember that. Did we so um what's the over under on number of games that Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and uh Kevin, <laughs> got Durant, Kevin Durant this year? I think I mean, if you look at it, first of all, it's weird to release a statement and then weird to release a statement when it's sponsored by uh, the Nets, and then your company with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman boardroom. Uh, that was interesting. I think um, I think it's pretty easy to to have this conversation with KD saying like, hey, we're one of three teams that can actually have a real shot at winning the NBA title. Uh, hey, how about we run this back? And also, there's not a market for you, and we are not going to trade. Like, Did you see some of the trade proposals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you got to be like serious about this stuff. I like, I don't know how much truth there is to any of this stuff. But like the like the Knicks offer, or no, I'm sorry, that was that wasn't for Katie. That was for uh, Donovan Mitchell. But it was still a joke. But yeah, I mean, like, you got to give up good players to get good players. It's like I I don't can't just throw like trash in there and a bunch of draft picks and be like, I don't mean to be insensitive. I call like players trash, but like relative to Kevin Durant, yes, I mean, like he's still a top five, you know player it's like what do you, yeah, what top do you 15 player of all time yeah yeah um we're waiting here for He's for bob for uh for dave spadaro to get in um i think i'm working on the back end i think i gave him the wrong link so we're just oh, you gave him the wrong link oh technical difficulties on technical the difficulties <laughs> what kind of operation are we running here well you want me to vamp <laughs> while you guys get it figured out you want me to just talk over and over and over yeah again? man what do you what do you um what so do we you used think? to tell the that, by the way that's what we used to tell the meteorologists all the time we would say like uh, you get in their ear and mm-hmm. you'd be like, uh, like um, vamp, vamp, or like just carry, carry, <laughs> just to ask them to keep talking, you know? Cause like, you're like, they like say they have like a two and a half minute hit, but you ended up at like two forty five or three instead. You would just say, just go, go, go. Just keep talking, stretch, <laughs> stretch, stretch, you know? <laughs> Is that cause you had to stretch out like a, uh, yeah. You just stretch yeah. out like for a commercial break and everything. I'll tell you a quick story a funny story real quick while we're waiting to get us Spadaro on, but there was this director that I worked with at channel three who Bob Kelly um, was, was at channel three for a while. And he would usually go long, like 15, 30 seconds or whatever. No mm-hmm. big deal. You know, I could always like find 15 or 30 seconds on the back end of the show to fix it up or whatever. But the, the, the director would always say, um, 
in in order he wouldn't say like some people say different things into the mic they go like you know rap rap or let's end it here rap and it, you know he would say bye bob like like goodbye bob like we're done with bob but, but but he would like obviously like they would never like really resonate so he's just sitting there he's going bye bob bye bob bye bye he would say bye bob like 30 times in a row just trying to get him to to stop talking about bob bye bob bye bob bye bob that guy's everywhere. That guy's DJing down at Wildwood now. I went to the I went to Wildwood down on the uh, the old bar, the new bar that they uh, they made yeah. down there on the on the boardwalk. Yeah. That, hey, you know who loves Bob Kelly? Middle aged moms love Bob Kelly. Do they really? Oh, hey, he is a that, star. You know. Yeah, no, there. he is, man. I, that was actually a, an underrated storyline. I think when um, Channel Three lost both Bob Kelly and Kathy Orr to Fox Twenty Nine. Uh, that was a twofer uh, transactional loss, I think, for Channel Three because they were both, you know, popular and like doing well. I mean, Bob Kelly is like perfect for uh, for uh, I almost said Good Morning America for Good Day Philadelphia, you know. So yeah, yeah that was that was a big uh, watershed turning. turning I love small turn, business. So, I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was um, that was definitely interesting. Okay, I think we have Spadaro now. All right, yeah. let's bring him on. Yeah, we've got Dave Spadaro coming on right now. Dave, sorry about technical difficulties. We're we're in <laughs> a three man shop down here. We're just that, you know. Is that Kevin Kincaid, star of the uh, of the media football game there? Oh man, I just how do you feel after that one? Uh, very very sore. Yeah, very <laughs> sore. Two days. It's you know what it is, Dave. It's like it's you don't get it the day after. Now you get it like thirty six hours after. It it really it does though like. For fans who don't get how much athletes hurt when they play on AstroTurf, you can really kind of get a new appreciation for it just crushes your body. It does. It's like very, yes, it's very uh, unforgiving. Uh, also, the, an underrated storyline, too, is when you play one sport mostly, like exclusive, if, you're a ba- if you play mostly pickup basketball, you play pickup soccer or something, you go play a flag football game. Yeah. You're, you're you're making cuts and you're doing things with your body that you never do. I mean, you're using yeah. muscles that I hadn't used in in months. So I was like, holy cow! I, you know, I got the I got to the next day, and I was like, all right. I think I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I think I like made it through this okay. And then like the next day, I was dead, like just dead to rights. But we got the good highlight real touchdown now. Yeah, you look yeah. great. You're a great athlete, man. You guys, you know, you you came close. I That's all we hire that, here at Crossing Broad. You Andy, you Andy read it, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> No, Dave, where no, you I, at? I appreciate I appreciate the introduction too. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at home. Uh, yeah, I you got, know, not... We leave. We leave for uh, we leave for Florida in about four hours. All right. All right. So yeah. cool. All right. So we've landed an exclusive interview with Dave. Yeah. You know, one or two things about an exclusive interview. So you're going down to Miami. I got to ask you. Like you're going down to one of the hottest places in the world. Um, the UV rays, you got to protect that beautiful bald head of yours. What are we yeah. going? Are we going SPF 30, 40? We go, first 50? of all, we go bucket hat, as as dorky as it looks. Got it covered up. Eagle sponsored, I'm guessing? No, Eagles. You know, everything's Eagles, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, long sleeve shirt. And then I have like 50 sunscreen. Wear the shorts. Got to show the legs. It's too hot for that. Um, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be I'm, – I, I'm shocked that the practices aren't at 830. They're at 1015. I'm not practicing, but it's going to be really, really hot for the players. And it's going to be great practices. I can't wait to see the Eagles cornerbacks against Miami's wide receivers. And, you know, Miami's got a really good team. They, we're not sure about the quarterback, but they've got a really good team. So these will be good practices. Yeah, and that was they, one thing they, that I really liked about the joint practices this year was, like, you got two good teams that they're going against. Like, Cleveland has a, a good team. Um, 
and then Miami, like you just said. So I know like Sirianni doesn't put a lot of stock in like joint practices, but here at Crossing Broad, we put a lot of stock in joint practices, and he's the joint practice champion of the world. He's like Chuck Nolan right now. He's undefeated <laughs> in joint practices. Um, everything that came out of Cleveland seemed positive. Was it as positive on on the field as you as you thought? Yeah, on social I mean, media? I, I mean, look, I you know that I'm Mr. Optimism, but I, I truly think this is a really good football team, and they're extremely physical. We saw that in the game on Sunday, also. Line of scrimmage. I don't think anybody's going to beat up on the Eagles' offensive line. And the Eagles defensive line has got some depth to it. Um, a lot will depend on Fletcher and Brandon Graham and some of the older guys playing well and keeping their level up through the season. Um, but I, I just think the Eagles, it's amazing to me. And, like, I know we all live and die with the Eagles in this town. A really bad 2020 season. And it's always to me, like, how quickly you come out of a bad period of time. The Giants, for example, they've lost 10 lost, 10, 10 lost seasons in five straight years. Eagles came right out of that back in the playoffs. And I mean, I think this team is, is really low, offensively loaded, defensively a lot better. And I think that um, Jonathan Gannon will will win a lot of hearts this year because I think he's got better players executing a scheme. There's always been like more of an emphasis these last couple of years now on uh, the value of joint practices and the reps you get out of that at, at the, you know, while you know, the stock down for the preseason games are not as important anymore. I'm, I'm just like curious what you make of that shift. And if you uh, like what that means from a macro level perspective, it's almost like the preseason games, you know, people used to be excited about that stuff. And now it's been just, just this huge shift to joint practice being more important. It's interesting. I mean, last year it, I wasn't, you know, it took me a while to, to kind of understand it because I came, I've been around since Buddy Ryan's practices and, you know, Andy Reid ran really hard practices and, I always believed in getting guys tough and getting them physically ready for the start of the season. This is more of a cerebral approach early and then the physical part comes in. And I got to tell you, like with a week of practices against Miami coming up and another preseason game, I've seen enough. You know, you kind of, you know, the cream rises, you know, who's going to make the team. So I think it gets players ready. What I've seen is that players, when they get into these situations, they're just more on the same page. We've seen a lot of really crappy preseason games in the past these two Eagles preseason games they've been entertaining and I know that the starters aren't out there but like a, a two touchdown drives to begin the game in Cleveland a 55 yard pass from Sinet to Devin Allen exciting play like it's been good football and yeah. and also Kevin I will say this and I get it like you want to see Jalen Hurts you want to see the stars in preseason but the way the seasons are now with 17 games a 53-man roster plus 16 players on the practice squad yeah, Plus man. another, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 that you have to have on emergency reserve. These games are important to really evaluate those players. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to what happens Saturday night. I would imagine we'll see Gardner again, who's always entertaining. We yeah. might see a little Carson Strong, who we haven't seen at all, who I know Eagles fans are really curious about. I'm curious about him. And um, it's kind of a new way of doing it. And as I knock on wood here, Eagles are healthy. And that's to me, that's all that matters between this now is- and September 11th. Yeah, I'm with you too. Because, like, I think from a macro perspective, there's been a lot of talk the last two years over like the practices are short, or you know, there's only three preseason games, or the starters aren't playing in the preseason games. But it, none of that matters. It's not like the forum for where you're practicing or how long the practice is, or like who's playing in the game. It's like if you get a hundred reps in an hour practice versus getting a hundred ten reps in like a two hour practice, like you're just getting more. It's like it's not how long it is. It's not when it is. It's not where it is. It's if, are you doing stuff that matters? 
Are you getting the reps that matter for coaches? Are you seeing what you need to see? And like the thing that we've had repeated to us more than anything is like they're good with that. Like yeah. the coaching staff says, hey, I saw what I need to see. I have what I need to see. I don't I don't need anything else here. Yeah. And the players love it. It elongates their career. Um, they feel fresher going into the regular season. I started watching um, Hard Knocks this morning and it's the Detroit Lions. And the, I've only watched like the first 20 minutes, but the open their their practices, their camp's a lot more physical. So they're knocking the shit out of each other. Yeah, they're knocking it. I and so we'll see on September 11th who who is the better team, who who is more sh- the sharper team after these very different preseasons and training camp approaches. Dave, if the if the Eagles lose to the Lions on Week One, I I will not listen to <laughs> one radio station. I will not listen to one radio call for a week because it'll be just the consistent <laughs> of you know you watched Hard Knocks, you saw Dan Campbell, they were knocking the shit out of each other, and you come here to Novacare and we're not even tackling. Yeah. Well, I, I look, I mean, I obviously think the Eagles are a better team. I think we all do. I just know crazy things happen in the first couple of weeks of the regular season. The Packers last year were counted out. They had a good long playoff run. So I expect the Eagles to go to Detroit, staying healthy, and play a great football game. Anything less than that would be disappointing. Yeah, I If they do lose, I look forward to you putting a spin on it, as you always do. It's a, a positive spin. Yes, um, you. Kev, you actually have a question like that, right? No, I just want to say I find the topic fascinating, Dave, of like team media, because I did it. I did it for four years with the Philadelphia Union and had bylines at PhiladelphiaUnion.com. And I actually found it to be very like interesting and challenging at the same time, because I I think like what people need to understand about doing team media is that like being negative and, you know, going with the flow is very easy. Like if the Eagles lose a game, I say this player sucks, blah, blah, blah. That's like low hanging fruit. Like, it's easy. I think you know, I agree with you. Pragmatism is hard. Finding quality yeah. stuff to write about and turning turning content when you know you have people saying, like, well, you're just avoiding this. You can't say this. You can't say that. No, you got to think more. And you got to think about stuff that's that's meaningful and stuff that people are going to like. Yeah. So I've always felt like for people who are doing that kind of job, there's a specific challenge challenge to it to create value, whereas, you know, the, the rest of the independent media is going in a, in a different direction entirely. Hey, the challenge for the independent people or for the outside media, we call it, is they're all writing the same thing. They've got the same access. So how do you differentiate yourself from the other guy? For us, we believe that fans are generally very positive. They do want to hear good things about their football team. This is entertainment. At the same time, I think I've demonstrated in my you know many, many years here that if Eagles are deserving of critical and constructive criticism, then I will be warranted and required to provide that or fans will not respect any of my content at the same time we are always searching for and you're right kevin it's you're always searching for a different angle a different way what 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 kind of access can we provide to the fans what how can we humanize the players how can we allow that connection between the fans and the players to get even deeper and stronger and really more meaningful and that's the challenge every day it's look if i wanted to just go write a uh, practice, you know, pros and cons every day. I could do that, but that's not really what I'm into. I'm into kind of getting the fans to know the players as much as people and as much as players as much as I can. So yeah. it's um, you know, it's challenging in both ways. Where it's a the football, unlike baseball, basketball, hockey, we play once a week. We've got 17 games. We're still filling a lot of time with content. Our job is to keep fans into it from 
the end of the game on Sunday until the kickoff the next Sunday. Keep them engaged and understand what's happening with the team. And again, we're also providing the team perspective. I'm obviously not going to shy away from that. I'm very proud and honored to work for the Philadelphia Eagles, my 26th season with the team. So um, I love the challenge, Kevin. And I, I mean, I know what you're saying with the Philadelphia Union because those, those were tough years when yeah. you were working with the union and yeah, yeah. it's hard to find that kind of content that engages fans yeah. when your team's playing poorly. It would, it would bother me when people would do the, um, like the mouthpiece thing. Like, oh, you're just saying what the, you want the team to say or whatever. Like, honestly, God, I'm not. Like, I'm just yeah. I'm trying to, like, give you guys something, like, interesting to do. I'm trying to do an X's and O's thing. Like, Fran does his stuff, yeah. which is very high level and very good. You guys do that, um, you know, where, where are they now series? We do everything. Yeah, we do everything. We, we try to bring the, the entire team to you. Yeah. We have a big media team and um, a huge audience. And, I mean, Eagles fans – they're all over the world. They're they want they don't want to like be bummed out every day and no, and, no, no. and the worst kid, you know, roster like we, we stay away from stuff like roster projections. I've always found that mm-hmm. that's kind of a disservice to those guys who you don't think are gonna make the team. Yeah. They don't need somebody from the team saying they're not gonna make the team. Yeah, but um, you also don't even have to do that because there's 30 independent beats who are doing correct. that. You know, and there's there's so much of a there's so much of a demand for Eagles anything. That if you go feature stories, X's and O's stuff, Q and A storytelling, there's so much of that is is untapped. You yeah. know, for an, for an audience that's looking for a, for a million different things, there's no like shortage of like avenues to traverse. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's no and there's no shortage of um, understanding that fans gobble up everything about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's yeah. interesting the the ratings for Sunday's game, one o'clock kickoff. Like, who wants to watch a preseason game one o'clock from a like a macro picture the the ratings were things like an eight two or something yeah so it wasn't really high i sold my phillies tickets but it's not super like in the in the when the preseason was roaring and the players started starters played we would maybe get like on thursday night like a 14 13 14 12 13 14 so Mm -hmm. an eight two is kind of you go wow but the phillies who are in a pennant race who are in a playoff push who are playing great baseball we almost doubled their their rating. I, I know it's crazy. It's the crazy. Power of the NFL is so yeah. insane, yeah. and you've always got to keep that in mind that there's always always an audience. Yeah. Do you think it's because you were part of the you were part of the uh, the storyline there with well, the I mean, uh, certainly forearm it was shiver? Intentional, but I was I'm just doing my job there, trying to have some <laughs> fun. And uh, you know, I've been doing the sidelines for many years. Sunday was as goofy um, and really really fun as I've ever done it. That was. From the very jump, when that doofus walked right in front of me, man, like, what are you doing, man? He's been this guy's been doing this the chain gang for many years, and it's very chaotic. It's small space down the sidelines. I get that. I, your your head's always on a swivel. It's either Rick Lovato is snapping the ball back to Aaron Sipos, and if you get clipped there, you're you're going home with bruises, or Jake's trying to kick it into the net, and if you get hit by one of his kicks, you're in the hospital, or somebody's coming off the field and. So for a, for a chain gang guy, I'm standing there with my mic, talking to the camera, for him to start walking in, and I saw him leaning in, and my I just my instinct was look, I got him good there, didn't I? Oh, you got I him got great, him. right in the solar plexus, yeah. right where yeah, you it, want him. Yeah, I was, and I and he was pissed off, man. Oh yeah, he was. Do you know what he, he said to you? People were wondering what he said to you. It sounded. I mean, like he, he was, was muttering. Like I mean, he was that. probably saying, "You stupid," but I was trying to I was trying to remember what I was saying. Like, I was trying to hear two different things, and. uh but like Dom led him around around me. We the next time we did a hit from the sideline, my cameraman, we I was lined up right behind him, and the cameraman said, You better move because 
I'm telling you, he's pissed off. And he might turn around and jab you with the uh, with the yard marker. Yeah, but Dom Dom just happened to be standing there, right? I mean, like that was just yeah. That's like that's just his follow. Every time we bring a guest over, a player over, a coach over, whatever, he's there. So he kind of gravitates toward me. And but Uh, there's just no room. Like it's shit's flying down there, man. It's (laughs) it's crazy there. It's like it's. I'm telling you, it's it's a really confined area. It's really players are running all over the place. But for a chain gang guy to get into my shot, man. Come on, I only get on the air that much during the preseason. Don't <laughs> yes, ruin my true. shot. That is true. What is your what is your forearm people at uh for the people at home, your forearm program, so that you could stop other 76-year-old men in their tracks? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, just um lift those 15-pound pink bells. I like it. In the uh, in the Eagles weight room, we have barbells that go all the uh, dumbbells that go all the way to 200 pounds. Sheesh. Uh, then there's the pink ones on the other side that I, that's that's where I, I just lift a lot of them and you can have enough strength to not break your wrist. When you're holding a 76 year old man back hard, though, I gave hard. it to him hard, That's man. It was oh, yeah. I gave it to him he hard. He felt it. Yeah, he, he probably had four fingers. He didn't come back for more. He had five yeah. bruises of fingers just around his chest. That's right. It's but just, you know what's funny is they, they, um, in like journalism school or you work in a TV station or something, that's exactly what they teach you to do. You know, somebody uh, just go, somebody goes into your shot, you just like, you just put an arm out. You, you know, know like, how they do, you know, how they do on ESPN, they, he mossed somebody. Mm-hmm. Can we do like he spuds? Can, can you guys yeah. work on that for me a little bit? Like give him we'll the call, spuds? All right, there? we'll call the spuds for now yeah, on. Every time. The heist, man. It's yeah. not like, it wasn't really the Heisman trophy, but it was the, uh, it wasn't really Dave, talk to the hand. If you Heisman a 76 year old man, <laughs> that would have been an all time yeah. clip. Yeah, I would, be, I would be talking to you as ex Eagles employee, Dave Spadaro. <laughs> yeah, Dave Spadaro, When they're doing the Super Bowl like yearbook video, Dave Spadaro set the tone in week two. Hey, man, I like that. I yeah. like that. Preseason tone was see we had to be on hard knocks this year. Maybe I would have made it into hard knocks, but oh, you would have been like hard knocks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You ever think you ever think about hard knocks and you're like, you know, what would I do? Yeah. Um, I like, hope hard knocks never. Teams hate when hard knocks comes knocking on their door because it gives access and it's really the 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 there's state secrets in film in X's and O's in meeting yeah. rooms. You don't want that. You don't want cameras in there. So did they like the when Amazon came in? Mm, it was really controlled. It was okay. very controlled. Everything gets approved by every bit of that content. Obviously, gets approved by the team. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the, the formula for keeping hard knocks away is just keep going to the playoffs. Yeah. All right. That's, That's true. That's true. Well, yeah. Dave, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, have fun in Miami. There are a ton of seventy-six-year-old guys that you can stiff arm out there. <laughs> um, well, listen, if they're if they're having walkers. I'll be a little bit for their own walkers. I'll be a little bit more gentle. Okay, that's nice of you, uh, guys. Kyle, um, Kevin, thank you so much for having me. Keep up the good work. I go to Crossing Broad every day. I really enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks. Thank Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate thank it. You. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. See, um, if, good if you want to know, if you want to know what keeps in the back of our mind every time we write about somebody or maybe criticize somebody, tell us you read Crossing Broad every day, and that's going <laughs> to sit in the back of my mind now. I think um, it's funny because I get I like I like uh, you know needle. Uh, Dave with the, like the exclusive interview thing because they always brand like he's talking to Nick Sirianni. Hey, you got an exclusive interview with Nick Sirianni. Okay, well, it's two guys who work for the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. But but every time I do that story or write that column, like I always back end it by saying like it's like it's like a tough job, man. It's like it's hard because you know like like last year when the Eagles stunk to start out, 
you know, he's got to like find ways to kind of like, you know, keep it positive and come up with content or whatever. And he you know? did he, criticize him. You wrote that. He did criticize yeah, him. He, he was critical with the, it was a post game show with uh, Rob Ellis. Yeah. And he was saying some things about the defense, you know, but I think when you're Dave and like, you've been doing it for as long as you can, the longer you've been doing it too, you, you can say a little bit more and you can, you know, you know, reach out a little bit more, but they, they honestly do like, I, I, I this is like the, the honest truth. Man. I think they do a really, really good job with the website. Like they've got a, they do a lot of content on on the Eagles website, and there's a bunch of people who are who are working mm-hmm. for him. And I think like you're trying to like, when everything is so saturated with like a hundred beat reporters down there, you know, and everybody's hanging on like the big yeah. negative topic of the day, or like Derek Barnett with like a dumbass thing or whatever. It's like, hey, like you know, Dave and Fran and them are doing doing their thing for people who want to, you know, read up on, hey, what's Trey Thomas doing right now? It's been it'd be a good story, but yeah. you know, like sometimes Find your own lane. Eagles fans are so up and down that man, maybe that maybe they're not going for the feature that specific day or whatever. So you got to like kind of carve your own path when you're doing team meeting. I'll tell you a real quick story uh, before I got to go pick up my kid. When I was doing that for the union, um, you know, like I was doing it for PhiladelphiaUnion.com, mm-hmm. I was writing for the team or whatever. I said something on Twitter. It wasn't even in an article. I said something on Twitter that was critical of Bob Kraft because Bob Kraft was the owner of the New England Revolution. I said something to the effect of like, you know, they're not, he doesn't care about this team. They're not putting money into this team. One of the like executives, I think the team president of the New England Revolution message you're called, like one of the executives at the union, he said, like, why is your guy you're like criticizing Bob Kraft or something? I got my ass reamed out for that. Really? You know? And it wasn't it wasn't that yeah. much of a criticism or whatever, but again, again, it's me like that like I am like technically working for the team and taking money from the team. So they don't want you being critical of like another owner for another team. There's just some stuff that's off limits. So you have to work around that and try try your best to come up with like meaningful content and they've been doing that for you know as long as they they have been you know just spit on the star <laughs> yeah i didn't get to ask him about, i didn't get to ask him about yeah that. how how long ago was that i think that was like 2016 okay yeah all time it's tough man though i'm i'm all telling time, you seriously dude. like you got to walk a line every day you know it's i can't tell you how many times you know, I sent something in to get edited and like we nitpicked every like little line or whatever. And then yeah. you got to worry, too, about like what the team's going to say about shit. You know, we did a story. I remember like my boss got in trouble because he did a story about the backup goalkeeper saying like, hey, backup goalkeeper's just ready for his chance if it comes. Totally harmless. Right. And the coach flipped shit because he's like, what are you trying to like undermine the starting goalkeeper here? Yeah, yeah like seriously, that's what he was saying. He's like, why are we publishing this on our website? So. Man, the stuff that you got to think about when you do a job like that is tough. So, you know, I always I give Dave and like, you know, Lauren Rosen and, um, you know, the people who do the team. I give them credit because it's a, it's a hard job to do. Seems like a lot of secure comfortability with themselves, athletes in the uh, in the world of sports and coaches. Um, yeah. I got nothing else today. I know you got to go. So uh, let's wrap it up here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening to Crossing broadcast we'll be back thursday we have devin caney locked in and maybe we'll have another uh guest or or two come on uh hit the like button hit the subscribe button uh we'll talk to you on thursday